Well, good morning. I'm excited to get to speak to you today. This morning I met John Martinson right over here. And he saw my earpiece on and he said, are you speaking today? And I said, well, yes, sir. Today's senior recognition. And he started getting all excited. I said, it's not senior citizen recognition. Graduate recognition. You could just see the disappointment. You got to tell some people everything. For whatever reason you're here, whether you're here to celebrate a graduate or you are here because it's Sunday, we're glad you're here. But I hope that you will allow Jesus to speak to your soul today. Above all things, we do want to honor our graduates, but we more than that, want to hear from the Lord Jesus. Over spring break, Beth and I took the kids to New Orleans. Uh, I had an appointment to visit with the seminary there and uh, to talk about some future schooling. And on Wednesday of spring break, we went to the wor world always mess that up. World War II Museum. Beth had a grandfather who served in New Guinea in, in World War II. And because he did, there was a brick that was stamped with his name on it in his honor at the museum. And that was the purpose for us to go. And we found the brick and we were just oozing with pride that we knew somebody and were related to somebody who had served our country in that way. We toured the museum. We only had a few hours and we, we probably didn't see half of it, but it was one of the best museum experiences of my life. The museum really did a good job of placing you in the mindset of what it was like to live in World War II times. Um, it, it described the American people as wanting nothing to do with the war. They wanted nothing to do with going to war until December the 7th, 1941, there were bombs dropped on Pearl Harbor. After those, those bombs were dropped on Pearl Harbor, it was the highest enlistment rate in U.S. history. Everybody started signing up for the military. They had... Wake, awakened a sleeping giant. America went to war. And not just the warriors, not just the soldiers, but even the common people adopted uh, a wartime mentality. They started joyfully making sacrifices during the war because freedom had been challenged and they were all in wartime mode. I want you to know that today, for these graduates and for each person in this room, there is a war for our souls. Like it or not, whether you have signed up or not, whether you have waged war or not, war has been declared on you and over you. 
There is an unseen war that wages around us, a battle for your soul. When they go to college or, or join the workforce, wherever they go in the future, there will be war for their souls. Same with all of us. A few weeks after I went to New Orleans, um, I stepped into a war zone myself. I went to my daughter's dance competition. <laughs> I love to watch my daughter dance. Not crazy about everybody else's daughter. Um, but anyways, I, I walked into the room. It was at the Cook Convention Center in Memphis, and we were there from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. My daughter danced one dance <laughs> for three minutes. When I walked in the room, it was me. There were about 500 people there, and five of those people were men. I was extraordinarily out of my comfort zone. I sat down and I looked a few rows in front of me and to the left and there was one of the five men in the room and the back of his shirt said in red sparkly letters, Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Bad outside my comfort zone. God in all his grace and love had prompted me to bring a book with me. Praise the Lord. It's the best book, one of the best books I've ever read, but it's the best book on grief I've ever read. It's called Through the Eyes of a Lion by Levi Lusco. Levi is a pastor in Montana, and he lost his daughter, his five-year-old daughter, five days before Christmas to an asthma attack. It was tragic. It was bad. So I'm reading this book, and it's emotional, and I start crying at the dance competition. <laughs> I'm sure Tootsie Roll really thought I was caught up in the music. <laughs> if you've ever been through grief, you have felt out of nowhere it jump on your back, and you're totally unaware. He describes this in his book. He's real honest. He was taking a run in Seattle. I want you to listen to what he says. This can't be real. These thoughts swim through my mind and try to strangle me. My heart is shattered into a thousand pieces, each shard jagged and razor sharp. The pain is surreal, deafening and catastrophic. My eyes burn. I want to cry, but the tears won't come. I want to scream, but it won't help. I'm afraid, but I'm not alone. This is war. This is war. Every moment of every day, we must make the all-important choice of whether we will rely on the naked eye. Will we trust what we can see is there or believe what God says is there? It's a decision we are continually confronted with. The Apostle Paul put it this way, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Making the choice to see the invisible is not always as dramatic as it was that morning in Seattle. Sometimes it's far more low-key, and that's when it can be the most difficult. 
Trials have a way of splashing cold water on our faces and rousing us from sleep. It is much easier to slip into cruise control when the sun is out and the birds are chirping. Listen to this. For every person who has been destroyed by suffering, there are probably ten who have been wrecked by success. Trust me when I say this. The issue isn't whether your life is going well or falling apart. The question is, what makes you so sure you can tell the difference? Things are seldom as they appear. Care or not, rich or poor, like it or not, fair or not, want to be a part of it or not, there is a war over your soul. Believer, there is a war to take you down a sinful path in your life so that your life distorts the gospel for a lost world that's watching you live. Unbeliever, there is a big G God in this world who loves you so much that he sent his only son Jesus to die for you so that you can have eternal life. And there's a little g God in this world who wants nothing more to send than to send your soul to hell. There is a war. It looks different for all of us in this room. For these graduates going to college will be war. Their faith's going to be tested. No doubt about it. I don't care if you're going to a college that says Baptist in the name. Your faith will be tested in college. For some of us in this room, we may be fighting for our marriages. For some of us in this room, we may be fighting some kind of addiction. For some of us in this room, we may be fighting off slander or gossip. For some of us in this room, we may be fighting just to get up out of the bed to come to church on Sunday morning. But I promise you, there is a war. There is an enemy who wants your soul. This morning we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The title of this morning's message is The Soldier's Life. The Soldier Life. And it is a plea for these graduates and for everyone in this room to awaken to, a, to an invisible war that is unavoidable and has eternal consequences. We're going to read verses 3 through the end of the chapter. It's a long passage. But we will focus in on verses 11 and 12. If anyone teaches other doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited, understanding nothing, but has a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. But godliness with contentment is a great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains." But you, man of God, run from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold of eternal life that you were called to and have made a good confession about in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep the command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in His own time. He is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the, one, the only one who has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light. No one has seen or can see Him. To Him be honor and eternal might. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come so that they may take hold of life that is real. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you in avoiding irreverent, empty speech and contradictions from the knowledge that falsely bears that name. By professing it, some people have deviated from the faith. Grace be with all of you. Let's pray and turn our service over to Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning, and, and God, we acknowledge that we are at war and we need you in it. Father, I pray you would teach us to fear the things that we should fear and embrace the things we should embrace, so that we may not deviate from the faith. Father, you know, you know me, you know your servant, you know my weaknesses, you know my ignorance. I pray that I would only be your mouthpiece for your people. It is a humbling and scary thing to speak your word because it needs to be true. It needs to be your word and not somebody's opinion. I pray you would speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul was talking to Timothy. Timothy was um, a pastor that he was mentoring. And in verses 11 and 12, I think 12 is the high point of this chapter, he says, fight the good fight for the faith. If you underline in your Bible, that is a good verse for you to underline. Fight the good fight for the faith. Now what's interesting is, Paul is talking about fighting here, and what's the first thing he says in, in, in verse 11 when he's talking about fighting? You man of God, run. That's kind of a weird approach to fighting. Run. Run from these things. I want you to know that we are bent to fear the things God tells us not to fear and to not fear the things God tells us you ought to fear. 
Paul had just named off this laundry list of sinful activities. He's talking about slander. He's talking about love for money, materialism. He's, he's named off all these sinful activities. And then he says, you, man of God, you run from these things. People of God, we cannot flirt with temptation. It will get us every single time. If we flirt with temptation, we will fall. The first point, to live the soldier life, we must deeply fear those things that draw our hearts from God. Sin is not just a morality issue. It is an idolatry issue. When we embrace sin, it draws us away from the Lord Jesus. A few weeks ago, on a Wednesday night in student ministry, I preached a message called the twisted truth. And in the twisted truth, we looked at the temptation of Adam and Eve in Genesis and the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Very similar approaches. Satan uses the same approaches to each one. In Matthew chapter 4, though, he takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest place in the temple. And he says, Jesus... Throw yourself over the edge. Don't you know the angels will come and rescue you? Jesus says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Now don't you know that with all the flaming hatred that Satan has for the Lord Jesus, he wanted nothing more than to walk up to him, grab him by his cloak, and shove him off the edge. Don't you know that's what he wanted to do? He wanted to destroy Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be destroyed. But, but Satan can't destroy Jesus, and Satan can't destroy you. But he can seduce your mind into destroying yourself. He can walk you down sinful pathways. And you look up and all of a sudden you don't even care about the things of the Lord anymore. I guarantee you if you're in a place right now where it's a struggle for you to even do the smallest thing as come to church. Get ready to come to church. And one time you used to be white hot on fire for Jesus. You used to love Jesus with all your might, but now you look up and you, you, it's a struggle to even just come to church to worship. There has been a time where Satan has convinced you that something that was not okay was okay. Our sin not only causes us to do crazy things, but it draws our heart from the Lord Jesus. I want to encourage these students and all of you that, that when you're tempted with sin, don't flirt with it. Run from it. As hard as you can, sprint the other direction. This thing is dangerous because it may draw my faith away from Jesus. I may lose my faith. I may wake up one day and not give a rip about Jesus anymore if I give in to this temptation. I hope your temptations, I hope your sins scare you to death.
We must fear those things that draw our hearts from the Lord. He not only says run from some things, he says to pursue some things. The next thing I want us to highlight to live the soldier life, we must embrace those things that draw our hearts to God. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance. Righteousness is those things that are deemed right by God. Pursue those things that God says are right. Godliness is an inner response to the character of God. Those things that God does, that's what I'm passionate about. Pursue those things. He doesn't say attain them because we're not perfect. He says pursue them, run after them, chase them. Faith, trusting that what is unseen, that God says is true, is true. Love. Love is a a funny thing. In the Bible, the enemy of love is not hatred. Did you know that? The enemy of love is fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. The enemy of love is fear. I want you to know, most of you do, if you've known me more than five minutes, I'm a prankster. I take my pranks very seriously. Um, I try to keep Richie and his team and the office staff on their toes. I love to see people get scared. That's why I had kids. (laughs) I like to scare them. Um, And I do, with all my might. Um, But since we live in a day where we can blame all of our issues on somebody else, I want you to know it's not my fault either. (laughs) My mom, most of y'all think she's all Bible. Ooh, Gina, she's so sweet. Uh Uh-uh. I went to high school in Mariana at Lee Academy, and I had a ton of dates. Obviously. So I made that drive a lot. And I would come home from a date broken, broke, not broken, (laughs) broke like money. And I couldn't stop at any of the stores on the way home. So I would would come home like hungry and thirsty, crazy hungry and thirsty. So I would go to the refrigerator and we had one of those two-door deals, you know, that opened from the middle. And they're out here, and I would be in there digging around, finding something to drink, and, and I would shut that door, and my mom would be right by that door. It would be dark, no lights on, and she's just standing there right by that door. I, Man, that's freaky. And, and she, she would do this sound that sounded like a mix between a squirrel and a gremlin. You know, I almost hit her with the OJ a few times. But that's not my best one. My great-grandfather was named Ray McKee. My name is Dustin Ray. I'm named after him. He was from Pine Tree, which is west of Colt. Y'all know where Pine Tree is? Everybody knows where Pine Tree is. Um, He was a super prankster. I think me and him would have loved each other. Him and one of his friends got this wooden keg and a rosin string 
And they somehow made this contraption where when he pulled that rosin string, it sounded like a ferocious lion. They said they could hear it for miles. Well, the first time he lit it was at a party with a bunch of teenagers, and somebody, it was around the 4th of July, and somebody had just lit a Roman candle. So they do this line, and this Roman candle, the, the fuse is going down. The guy takes off running. He's trying to sling the fireballs out of the Roman candle so it's, it doesn't burn something up. There was another guy that was dropped off work at his house, and they tormented him every day. They ran him home from work every single day with that line thing. It became the talk of pine tree. Everybody was talking about the pine tree lion. People saw it. They saw the line. Smart people. It came to a head one night when everybody from Pine Tree to Jolly Ellis came up on their horses and guns. They're fixing to find the line, kill it. My great grandpa had to admit that he had made something that had scared everybody to death. Oh, if I could find one. I'd probably be in jail. Mark Nix, Rusty McLean, I'd have all of them thinking there was a line in our community out there. Fear can make us completely irrational. Did you know that? Fear can make us lose our brains. It can draw us to the things we know from the things we know are true. A line in pine tree. I want you to know, graduates and everybody else in this room, there are things that come up in our world that will scare you to death. There are things that have come up in the past three weeks that will make you and should make you extremely uncomfortable. I also want you to know that the approach to those things is not fear, it's love. All throughout history, when the church tried to leverage anything but love, it always took a step backwards. Even in the very first parts of Christianity in Rome, Christians were being fed to lions, but they were also loving one another. They would walk around and they would see that somebody had thrown their baby in a dumpster and they would pick up this baby. They don't even know whose baby this is. They would pick up this baby and they would care for it and raise it. And people looked at them and they were like, what is wrong with you? How does somebody love like that? The story progresses and Christianity grew from what they called a cult to something that the whole nation honored. Emperors were opening their hearts to Christianity, trusting Jesus with their lives, until one day, Christianity was the thing. It was the national religion. And then they came to a point where that was challenged, and they tried to leverage power, and they tried to leverage their numbers, and the church took a step backward, and now Rome is post-Christian. Anytime the church, anytime believers try to leverage anything but love in our world, I promise you, we will lose our influence. And take a step backwards. Do not fear. 
love deeply, no matter what. Endurance, continuing, no matter what. Gentleness. You don't think of gentleness as a wartime mentality. But sometimes in this spiritual war, it's hard to be gentle because some of the people around us may have caused the war in our lives. Be gentle. The last thing I want to encourage you guys with, I want you to remember is that the soldier life is not meant to be lived by yourself. It's meant to be lived with other soldiers. Look at the very last sentence in 1 Timothy 6. He says, Grace be with all of you. Flip over a couple pages to the left of 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to see something that's really important. The very beginning of the book, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. He addresses the letter to Timothy at the beginning, but at the end he says, grace be with all of you. Is the letter to Timothy or is the letter to a group of people? I want you to know that Paul expected Timothy, this preacher, to be in a group of like-minded people that cared about the gospel, that would fight together. Graduates, please make it a priority. Wherever you go, whether you're at college or in the workforce, find a small group of believers that can fight with you. You need small group of believers to fight your, 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 your sins off, to fight for the things that, that the Bible tells us to fight for. Huge deal. All of us in this room, if you are an anonymous church attender, I want you to know that you are not designed to fight this battle by yourself. We have Bible study groups. We have 242 groups that you can sign up for today. Women's ministry, band of brothers, those things are not meant to program the church. They are meant for wartime survival. Please. Find a small group of believers wherever you land that will fight with you. I want to end by charging the parents. And this may apply to more than just these parents. You, uh, all of us in this room may have a person that has surrendered to the soldier life. Parents, I want you to know that if your son or daughter surrenders to this lifestyle, they will not walk away without a wound. You don't go through spiritual warfare and walk out without a wound. Spiritual warfare causes deep, hurtful wounds. Maybe you have somebody in your life that has surrendered to the soldier life and, and you're watching them go through things and, and you want to say, just be normal. Just be a normal Christian person. Verse 13, it talks about Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate. 
and making the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Don't you know that there were times when Jesus was saying things and Mary was screaming, maybe silently with all her heart, Jesus, if you would just be normal, people wouldn't be coming after your head. I know she did. It's in the scripture. There were times when she didn't get it. You can say something. I can, I can be approached with warfare toward myself, and it's all okay. But if you go after my kids, there's an unguarded part of my heart that might rah, at you. I'm sure it's the same with y'all. Sometimes when we see them walking through battles, we want to jump in and play referee. Don't, don't desire for your kids to be normal. I want to charge you not to desire normal for your children. There's a quote. I want to finish with putting this quote on the screen. I took a picture of this at the World War II Museum. It's from an infantryman in the army. He said, one cannot go to war and come back normal. One cannot go to war and come back normal. War changes us. But you know what? Maybe, maybe some of us need a change. War will change you. You cannot go to war and come back normal. Maybe you need a change. Because there is a battle for your soul today. You are probably hearing the voices of both sides. Unbeliever, I want you to know that God loved you so much. He saw you in your sin. He was not ignorant towards your sin. He knew exactly everything you have done. He's known your most evil thoughts, your grossest thoughts. And he chose to send his perfect son, the Lord Jesus, to be beaten and tortured and crucified so that you may have eternal life and a relationship with God. Because there is a war for your soul right now, the enemy will tell you graduation Sunday is not the appropriate time to give my life to Christ. The Lord Jesus says today is the day of salvation. If you want to give your life to Christ today, you do that. We will each one celebrate with you. Believer. If you have given your life to Christ, there is still a battle for your soul. He may not can steal your eternity, but he can use you to steal the eternity of others. Will you surrender to the soldier life and begin fighting off your sin and fighting for the things God tells you to fight for in your life so that others may see the glory of Christ and worship Him? 
We're going to pray, and we're going to have a response time. I want to ask you to surrender to the soldier life and do whatever it takes to do that. Let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. And God, we acknowledge that your word is true. We acknowledge that the enemy wants our destruction and that you want life for us. I pray that we would choose to believe you. God, I pray for that person who may be running from you ferociously. I pray that you would chase them harder. Teach us to fear our sin because it may cause us to turn our backs from you. I pray that if there is a decision that needs to be made, you would allow it to be made this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.